reach out to people that I can help while I'm here, like volunteer wise or even the top decision makers, how I can help while I'm here on the ground and also have more free time to do more, to step up more, to show up more, to help me build and be more of a voice. It's great to really be vulnerable and be open, just like help me please. And so we can all grow. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale. And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch or two or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come join us. I am so excited to have you in this conversation today. We are just, you know what, inviting a few people to our conversation. That's all it is. You know, I am so privileged that I get to move across the world and have amazing conversations, but I want people to come in and, you know, sort out, listen in and and get some goodness from it. So are you ready for a great conversation today? Yes. Ready. All right. So let's do this. Seriously, just think of us having at our table and we're just sitting there. What do you like? Do you like a coffee? Do you like a wine? I mean, I'm in the Malfi Coast. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, which oh. actually I lived here for 12 years and visiting my parents. And then I'll be speaking at my alma mater, Belmont University, next Friday. So just really excited to be back here and spend some time with family. Oh, there's nothing quite like family, I have to say. It's one of the priorities in my world and I love it. All right, so who am I having a conversation with today? Do you want to intro who you are? Sure. So my name is Jeanette Azeha and a little bit about me. I am originally from Orange County, California. My parents came in the 80s from Mexico and we're born and raised in Southern California, but I'm so grateful to have my Mexican culture and roots because my parents always sent us to my grandparents in Mexico City during the summers. And we were immersed into our Mexican culture, only spoke Spanish. We had to learn, you know, different things. And Mexico City is such a huge city. I still don't know the city to date. Like it's, it's one of the biggest cities in the world. And so grateful to have that. For me, I just feel like a natural born communicator. I love to help people heal with my words, writing. I started reading newspapers at six years old. I would read it at the dinner table. I was glued to the TV watching Anthony Bourdain, Samantha Brown, Rick Steves, Christiana Amapur on CNN. I wanted to just be a communicator and tell people about international affairs, the world, And that's really when I felt my calling. And uh, I've always known it as a little girl. I just, uh, throughout life, I pursued a degree in journalism. I've worked in TV, sports, entertainment, did the whole red carpet thing in Los Angeles. 
But the entire time I suppressed my true calling, which was to unite the world through travel, which sounds so vague, but it's so powerful for me. And that's really what I feel called here to do in any capacity. I love that. And one of the reasons I'm half out the door right now is because I knew that you were coming on this conversation and I wanted to bring a little bit of the Amalfi Coast into our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I love travel. It's just an amazing thing. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized as I've traveled across the world is the more I travel, the more I don't know. There is just so much to learn. Same. And can I just say a little tidbit of the Amalfi Coast? Of course. Um, I spent my 30th birthday there and I completely manifested it with an image of Amalfi Coast. And it's one of the most breathtaking places, I think, on the planet. And thank you for taking me there. If I was there with you, I don't know what time it is right now, but I'm sure it's five o'clock somewhere. It's about four o'clock and we may have had a little taste of something already. Okay, well, I would have a glass of wine, a shot of limoncello. I just had one. And tangerine, a tangerine. Wow. Okay. Yes, and I recommend it. Yes, and if, how long are you going to be there for? In- uh, we're here for two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so have you been to my really good friend? His name is Salvatore. He is sixth generation's family-owned lemon vineyard in Almafi. So... Yeah. You haven't gone yet. It's close to where the right. Duomo is, where I want to get married one day. And I will tell him to take care of you if you go. Ah. He and his family have had this lemon video. They make their own limoncello. They make their own lemon cake pastries. Everything from, like, they have lemons that are, like, this big. It's amazing. Anyway, just side bit, but that's how. Well, I learned today. I learned today about how the lemon was a thing that saved the scurvy getting things across and, and, you know, many moons ago where people would die. But because they had the secret, which was lemon, that they were actually able to make a lot longer trips across the world. I love history. I love learning more about cultures. And so that was kind of my, as we sipped a little limoncello and uh, chandrine. And ch- it's so funny, though. My husband doesn't drink at all. So I had to do it for the both of us. Someone has to do it and it was my role today. (laughs) I am a team player. So, you know, I'm a bit in the dark here in the light, but I just wanted to, you know, create just a moment of where I know travel is so important to you and, you know, the heart of what you're about. So where did that, like, why is it so, like, I guess you were saying I've done all these amazing things, which I know you have. And you've got many a story about that. But what I really want to deep dive into is why is it that now you're doing what you're meant to be doing? And what really is this? Such a great question. Like I said, as a little girl, I feel it's always in me. What I love and to this day still love about travel, like as you mentioned, the more you travel, the less you know. And watching something on TV or reading about it in a book or a magazine, it's great. But when you actually go there in person, you smell, you know, the fresh lemons, the limoncello, you taste it, you see the sunset, the sunrise, you meet the locals, it just changes everything for me. And the reason why I loved travel as a little girl was because I just felt like I didn't know a lot. I've always been a sponge. And I feel like I'll always be a forever student. I just want to keep learning and learning and learning. And 
The difference between a 33-year-old Jeanette to six-year-old Jeanette is I had to go through a lot of self-love lessons and Mm -hmm. self-worthiness. And six-year-old girl believed that I could do it. And I had these big dreams and aspirations. And it was full of so much light. But as I got older, I suppressed my dreams with the realities and of this world where people said, oh, that's really cute, but you have to get a real job or, oh, yeah. that's nice, but you're like a woman. And so how are you going to do a family and try like, so, and, and then just dim my light, dim my light, dim my light. And I played small for pretty much 30 years of my life. And because I didn't understand that my worthiness and I didn't step into my power and I didn't love myself enough to not pay attention so much to the naysayers or the people maybe who were generally had good concern because the travel industry, it seems so lucrative and glamorous, but yet unstable and Mm. nobody knows how or what to do in the industry. I mean, that's the perception, but my purpose is so deep rooted in my heart. Like it had nothing to do with like, I want to be rich or I want to be famous or I want to, you know, it had nothing extrinsic. It was all like, I just want to find a way to unite people through travel, get them excited, have them explore and come back. Because I know that when they come back from any trip, it will open their minds. Hopefully it will reduce bigotry. It will break stereotypes and it will unite them when they go back home. So for me, I just wanted to find a way to do that. And I started my first travel journal when I was 12 and I got a little disposable camera. So every time I go to Mexico, for example, I would take my disposable camera and write everything down. And this is pre social Mm. media, pre all of that, you know, it was just old school paper to pen, taking a photo. And I didn't know that that's what I was journaling. And, I would come back home and share with my friends and share with my family and anyone who wanted to hear me. So it's always been in me, but the belief in worthiness wasn't, uh, I had to do all that work, which took yeah. like, okay, like it takes a little while sometimes. And sometimes it takes even 30 years. I reckon it's taken me 40 plus years to be able to, you know, have that self-love and confidence to really be doing what I'm meant to be doing and make the difference uh, across the world that I'm meant to be doing and are doing to this day. So let's pull that apart a little bit more and go, okay, so you were doing some pretty, what I would call some big things, and then you go, now I want to do this travel, and this travel is really big. For many, like you said, it's exciting, it's fun, it's a lot of glamour. I know that uh, there's so much more than the glamour to travel. But how are you bringing travel into what you do as work and the difference you want to make across the world? That's a great question, too. So I've been writing, even though I worked in different industries like entertainment or sports, I still was travel writing. So Mm -hmm. I would still write for travel as a freelance writer, which most publications for example, in the U.S. are 80% freelance written. So it's a huge market. But it's kind of a numbers game. You know, if you have to submit many times because you probably yeah. get those many times. So I was always doing that. And on the weekends, I would attend travel conferences. I would pay for my own entrances. I would go to all the seminars. And I would just study the greats. 
like in my who I wanted to be like, like Anthony Bourdain, who I really do think left a mark in the travel industry because he found a way, even as a chef, to unite people through food. And yeah. I loved him. He was just such a badass. Like he was who he was. He didn't care if you liked him or not. He just mm-hmm. was who he was. And I really liked that. And he, so I kind of, I kept watching all his shows. And I did eventually interview him one time in New York City, which was a dream come true. But again, nobody handed it to me. I found a press release from Tribeca Film Festival. He was the executive producer on a film for CNN. And I pitched about nine publications. I said, I'll interview for him for you. I thought it was a shoe-in. I thought I would get a yes right away. I knew Anthony Bourdain did not like to do interviews. He wasn't really big into the whole, you know, thing, press. So I thought this is a great opportunity. And I got nine no's. And he said, wait, what? Like, I don't think you understand. And as soon as I got my ninth no, I went online, started looking at my own plane ticket. I was going to buy my own ticket to see the movie. I was going to sit Love there, it. wait for the Q&A. And I was just going to ask him all the questions I could because that's how determined I was. And I think that's how I realized that something so deep in me that, you know, regardless of what people say, no, or, or that's silly or whatever. I mean, I go for it. And as far as in the travel, I realized I got a yes, eventually the 10th. Yes. So they ended up giving me credentials and I got to interview him. But what I was saying is what I've learned, especially in the travel industry is the ones that are at the top as far as like hosting TV shows or speaking all these travel conferences, Mm. the ones that I grew up watching, they basically built a platform and empire like Rick Steves, right? He has a show CBS, he does a radio show in Seattle, he has guidebooks and he does tours Mm -hmm. around. She has, she's working with QVC with luggages. I mean, they're all multifaceted entrepreneurs basically. So it's not just one part of travel. And that's what I've realized over the years is that not just travel writing, because as amazing as that is, it's not as I mean frequent and, you know, I have to do other things. Yeah. So I started to do workshops for female solo travelers. who are like one of my number one demographic and people that come to me every day, all day are women who want to travel, but they're single, they're alone or they're divorced, or they're widowed, or they just want to get away from yeah. for three days and just recharge. So I started getting all these requests to like talk to them. And I just was like, well, I'll just do a workshop and get you all together and help you guys all how I can help you as a woman who wants to travel. So I started to do workshops. I started to do travel vision board workshops. Because right. I really liked travel was a mindset. And so I started to do that. Then I started to do speaking engagements. People kept asking me to come speak. And then I added a travel advisor. So I added a travel agency. So now I could officially book the hotel, wow. the airline. So I could do everything from the mindset to the consulting to the actual booking and getting you there. Because I realized, too, a lot of people just don't want to bother they, they just I trust you just give me whatever you think is best here's my credit card I don't want to deal with it I don't mm. want to or some people are saying can you hold my hand through the whole process because I think like you know travel is a mindset so especially as a woman you know I've realized that there's a lot of women out there who are afraid to travel because they're either afraid of their own company they're afraid to be alone mm-hmm. or 
afraid of physical safety. And I totally understand both. But I feel when you do take a trip alone, especially as a woman, it empowers you, you grow, you learn about yourself, you meet more people. But I always, I always tell women, be always mindful when you travel alone. There are some extra steps I would advise because especially being in a foreign country, not knowing the language. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to prepare for that. And I mean, I was in New York City last week and I was followed for a few blocks in New York City and it was about 7 a.m. And I, you know, even being in the USA, I mean, it can happen anywhere. So you just have to be mindful. So, yeah. So what's your number one tip for keeping safe then? Keeping safe, no matter ah. where you are. I always, before I step outside, I always check my surroundings. I try not to be distracted on my cell phone. I see a lot of people that are not looking, they're texting, ah. social media, whatever. You never know who may be watching you. Like for me, the reason why I was able to see that guy following me in New York City was we were crossing a crosswalk. And I got, I mean, I'm really intuitive. I don't know if I told you, I'm an empath as well. I'm very intuitive. And I barely made eye contact with him, but I sent him a, you know, friendly smile and just walked by him being courteous. But he gave me like this bad vibe. And I was like, okay, this is not good. And it was about 7 a.m. So the sun was coming out. I felt safe. There's people walking, not as busy, but I felt safe enough, right? I was walking and I had my phone in my hand, but I wasn't looking at it. But I turned around one block and I saw he was on the my block now. Because remember, we were going opposite directions. So I was, and then I realized he turned around and was now going my direction. And I said, this is the thing as, as a person or a woman, you have to think fast. So I said, okay, one more block. If I see this guy still behind me, I'm going to tell someone or go inside this public market and tell someone to call cops because I was like, I just don't, I mean, he didn't look dangerous, but who knows? What if he had a knife, a gun? I don't know. You know, he's why is he following me. I went one block and he was behind me again. He was closer. And so I saw the man walking. I said, I'm being followed. Can you walk me to the closest market? And he said, absolutely. He said, don't worry. I'm going to walk you with you. And as soon as you get in there, if he's still following, call the cops and they'll be here in like two minutes. So that was actually a scary experience because ironically, like 60 countries I've been to so far, it's never happened to me, but it happened to me here in New York. So like I said, you know, dangerous people travel. So wherever you are, just be mindful and cautious. Don't be distracted. If somebody asks you if you're alone, one, it's none of their business. Two, say no. You're there to visit the president, the prime minister, you know, anyone. <laughs> I love that reply. <laughs> I guess to the But two, you know, I was really naive when I was young and I would say, Yeah, I'm alone. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, no, like don't because there, unfortunately, there are some people that may not have the best intentions. Right. They're just, yeah, just be mindful. Yeah, I love that. I think that, you know, just the fact that you are creating this space where particularly, like you said, there's widows or single women, you know, who can now feel really confident to go, hey, I know how to travel. I know who to connect with to travel, you know, like get the right deals and the right places. 
I know as a, you know, a nomad CEO traveling the world with my family that at times it's been really tricky to figure not just the right area to be staying in, but really an area that's going to be suitable for having kids and especially in my case, young girls who are beautiful little young girls and knowing that as a mama bear that I would feel safe having my children in. And, you know, one of the things that I've also learned is to take risks instead of being afraid of to actually create, you know, ways that we can feel empowered to do it ourselves or confident or the tools to be able to do what we need to to do that and you know I'm always saying things to my children you know we're in Europe now and I said instead of having that bag with the zips on the outside put it on and I've got a son in a wheelchair put it on the wheelchair and turn it around and don't have those iPads out on the table like you normally have them so there's lots of little things like that knowing that you have those resources really adds value to those that maybe wouldn't have traveled if you weren't around and able to give back. So I love that. And, you know, I think it's really important as we continue in what we're doing that we're adding value to humanity going forward. I'm on this bent to really create an organization's businesses and companies, you know, what I call the 100% for humanity culture. And I think that one of the things, even if we don't like what's necessarily happening across the world, because there are, like you said, places where, you know, there are people doing not the right thing. And, you know, how can we, in what we're doing, create a better and a, a sustainable environment in what we're doing? And I love that. Now, I think you've been doing from a little a little thing, uh, you know, little whispers around. Have you been involved with some UN things? Oh my God, that's so funny. I was literally at the United Nations last week. I meant to be there this week, so I'm really like, as much as I love the Amalfi, I'm sort of in two minds. But anyway, I'm really excited to hear you. I was there last week and we met at um, Palm Springs, which I loved your energy. I loved from the moment we met. It's not like a rom-com right now, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks. And I'm so grateful, first of all, for meeting you, knowing you, and for having this time with you. I love what you said about humanity because deep down inside, that's what I want to do. I found that the way to do it was through travel, but I don't necessarily have to travel myself. But I just love how travel has a way to to help people unite as humanity realize okay, all these invisible borders that we have, all these different languages, cultures, etc. Okay, great. But we're all the same. We all want to be happy. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to be loved. We all want to love. Our happiness may look different on the outside, but we don't all want to have big houses and white picket fence and cars and all that. Like Some people want to live in the woods away from everyone. Some people want to live in the Mossy Coast. Some people want to live... I mean, everyone's happiness may look different but at fundamentally we all want the same thing so i realized that the more people travel they see that but okay you know and it breaks these stereotypes like for example mexico i'm going mm-hmm. and that's where my mom's from but sometimes i mention mexico that oh mexico's so dangerous the cartels i'm never gonna go this they're gonna rob me this i'm like excuse me first of all do you know that mexico is a very big country right it's mm-hmm. very big with many states 
rich in culture, rich in history, rich in the Aztec, you know, ruins, mine ruins. I mean, it's just so amazing. It, it really breaks my heart when someone will completely yeah. the country because of a new story or, or based on you know, fear. But I was at the UN last week uh, for the SDG Media mm-hmm. Summit, and I was actually by our friend, uh, she met Sergio. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's awesome. He's amazing. So he reached out to me a couple months ago, and this is literally his message, because I know he's, like, busy, like, you're busy. Yeah. And a slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? To maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or truly, do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay. I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership. As founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem where humanity like you our stakeholders to design cutting edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. He goes, save date september 12th and that was it i was like (laughs) i was like okay but what is it for and like he never responded and i was like (laughs) i love that moment saving the date but i don't know for what like you're married like what's going on then i had to like count it down like okay cool like i'm saving the date just let me know so i know what and he's like yes you got to come to this media summit in the un this i was like oh my god okay totally and so that's why I was there. Second time I've been to the United Nations for a travel, well, the first one was for a travel conference called the Social and Good Summit. Basically, they got a bunch of travel professionals with some mm-hmm. US ambassadors and how to make the world a better place through travel. Yeah. Uh, and then last week was the Media Summit, how to work with the UN 17 Sustainable Development. Yeah, of course. So ahead. for me, it was just a dream come true. I actually recognize that I also would love to work with the UN more, either in any capacity, yeah. and to basically like what they're doing, uniting the nations. So it's so funny you asked that because I was literally just. <laughs> I love it. I I just think that you know we often play around on the sideline. We do some little bits here and there, but reality is the more of us who are willing to stand up get in there, get our hands dirty and be a voice, the more likely 
that change will happen. The one thing that, you know, I think, and, you know, I've been at some amazing tables in the last little while and one of them was with, uh, you know, where it was actually closed doors on Necker Island. So it was on Richard Branson's Island. And I, I love Richard. He's an amazing guy. He's so funny. But that aside was the fact that I was at this table with a lot of former presidents from amazing countries. And, you know, like it was Colombia, it was like Bhutan, so who created the, you know, the happiness indicator for a nation. Gosh, that interesting conversation in itself. But, you know, what is amazing about all these humans, because that's what it is, was we sat and we thought about how leadership could move forward and what that would look like. And I was like, if we put all these guidelines around it, we are just going to be, because everyone agreed that they didn't like where leadership was heading. And, and basically that's where humans are heading and people are leading the way and bringing what humans are bringing to this earth, right? Because it's funny, leadership's got these little connotations around it and it's like, well, we're all leaders in our own rights and what we're doing. If you've got people following you, you're a leader. So, you know, anyway, so here we were at this table and everyone's having these conversations going, this is what we see it as going forward. My thinking and, and something that I was very, very strong on was if we just put criteria around how we see it as our biases, our conditionings, and we say this is what sh it should look like, then we are going to be having people looking back in five years' time, 10, 50, 100 years, and going, what were they thinking when they put that together? See, I've been in Italy. What are they thinking? You know, and uh, exactly, you know, what were they thinking? And I'm like, what if we use different lenses? If we had different people at the table who are giving voice to what is it that you need to be asking? What is the conversation that we need? I think that we are having the wrong conversations and we need to ask different questions at the table with different people at the table. So we are not going to get those different people at the table if you're not willing to stand up and be one of those voices, right? Oh, absolutely. And over the past two or three years, I had to step up and show up and been so uncomfortable so many times because I've been doing new things, asked to do different things, which I'm so grateful for, but ha meeting people that, you know, just amazing people that you're just like, oh, you know, thank goodness I'm still doing my inner work because, you know, yeah. there's the worthiness, you're like, am I worthy to be here? Do I yes, I deserve to be here. And even though I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what I'm doing sometimes, I still go because I don't feel like the failure mindset. I feel like at least I'm going for it. I'm trying. I'll learn. I'll grow. And like I said, I'm in my element when I can be of service or as a resource or ah. help because it's not about me, but I know that I, I want to be a voice for women, be a voice for also minorities like the Latin population. See, now we're having the conversation I wanted to be having. Yeah. This is the stuff that I get excited about. This is the stuff that we need to hear more that Jeanette's about. I don't want to hear the other stuff. I love the fact that you love travel. I love the fact you do all those things. But it's this sort of stuff that I I want to hear more about. Yeah, and I feel so empowered, for example, to be a woman, to be, you know, like I said, be a voice. Um, yeah. 
I always felt, and I, this is what I speak a lot about to people in hotels and everyone, is there needs to be more diversity and inclusion. Absolutely. And then, you know, coming from the Latin, you know, background yeah. and culture, seeing how things are portrayed, for example, in the news, how even, like, how identity is being portrayed, for example, if somebody is Mexican or, you know, how we get offended when they say undocumented yeah. And just dehumanizing them, and how unfortunately it lives on in real day society. Where if you see not everywhere, but if someone sees somebody and they don't understand, or you know, they're ignorant to the reality that if someone speaks a different language or if they look different, it does not mean they're in, they're undocumented. It does not mean they're illegal. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything. Just first, they're humans. Two, ask them questions. But I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in mainstream media, it's being blurred and people are being swayed. And it's really been a crazy environment the past couple of years. And like you were saying, leadership, like, you know, one of the leaders who is who is talking very badly about, you know, different cultures and ethnicities is really heartbreaking. So that empowers me to step up, like I was saying, and be yeah. a voice for women and the Latin population because we're all tired of it. We're all like, you know, we're human, we're people. Yeah. We are citizens, maybe some are not, tech, but who cares? At the end of the day, I think everyone deserves same respect. And, um, so yeah, so I feel really called to do that. So how do we get more people at the table with diversity? I call it distinctions because I believe that every human comes with different distinctions to the table. Diversity to me is kind of like we, we've talked it, we we want difference, but I actually want what you've got. I want what the, you know, George down the road has, Mary down the road, whoever down the road, you know, I want what they can bring to the table rather than diversity or whatever. What would that look like and how could we get more of that at the table? Well, I feel like for, for, for me, for example, I feel like I have to show up and be a voice because there may be a little girl out there who wants to do something and she sees someone that looks like her, sounds like her, that is there. She says, okay, you know what? I can do that too. I feel like in our demographic, we're not showing up in different industries, especially the travel industry. I can't tell you how many travel conferences or seminars or events I go to where we're not showing up. So I feel like partly it's our individual responsibility as well, if we want change, if we want to be included, more inclusive, and have our yeah. voices heard, we need to show up, step up, Love show up, involved, right? Get more involved. I mean, I'm one person, and I'm a woman, I'm a Latina, I'm this, but I can't be everywhere doing everything either. So, like, I, this is what I say. I say, like, while I'm here in Nashville, I'm meeting with a lot of local business owners that are also Hispanic. How can I help you? What do you need to try to understand their needs and be connected as well? And be like, okay, let's go to a chamber of commerce together. Let's get you meeting people. I also love connecting people. I'm a huge connector. I love introducing, connecting, networking, helping people. If I can't help them, get them to somebody who can. Yeah. Sometimes people are afraid to ask for help. They don't know where to look for help where they don't think they're worthy of it. And I totally get it because I used to be the silent sufferer and I would suffer. I would be so embarrassed to ask for help. I would just 
think I had to figure it all out and do it. I think you. But yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I actually don't now. I'm like, I need help. Help me. Like, I would love yeah. to, you know, because I, I'm one person. So to go back to your question, I feel like we just need to keep this conversation going and why mm-hmm. it's so important in 2019 going to 2020 to have a more inclusive society where we as women, for example, don't have to, you know, have these conversations like, oh, well, how does it feel to be CEO or how does it feel to be a pilot or, uh, you know, to, yeah. where it just becomes the norm where it's not just like one in many type of situation. One of the questions I get asked as a woman is, what are you going to do when you want to have a family? So, you know, you're a prime example. If you could travel, like, work and have a family, but there's still a belief out there that if you're a woman and you want to travel and work and have a family, you can't do it all. I've had guys tell me in the past who I dated, they're like, who's going to date a woman that travels as much as you? No one's going to want to date a woman like you. Like, all these things where I was like, why? Just because I'm a woman and I uh-huh. want to travel? Or you have to choose, you can't have it all. And we're in 2019 and I'm uh-huh. still getting these questions. So, yeah. Look, I think, I think that's, that's, that's totally gold what you're bringing up there. That, you know, how good would it be that we're not having these conversations and that we're moving on from that conversation? So if we were moving on from that conversation, what would be the next conversation we'd be having? What should we be doing? See, I think that you have a platform and media is a massive platform. And so you say, I want to be a voice and I want to stand up. So what would that look like if you weren't having to have these you know, conversations and you'd moved on from that and you were using your platform and having a voice? What would that look like? Wow, <laughs> that's so great. I didn't even think about that because I'm always constantly you know, feel like it's just, I'm trying to be that voice. I didn't even think about after the hill, after the hump, when that is. Girl, I just, for this record, for this conversation, you are the voice. You don't have to try to be the voice. Just use your voice. Yes. I, yeah, you're so right. One of the things that I've been working on for the past year, actually, is I developed a bilingual travel show. I already have the proposal. I have two producers I'm working with. I pitched it to a couple people that have gained some momentum. But basically, what this travel show has been my dream since I was a little girl, right? Six years old, watching Samantha Brown. And I remember the thought I had, though, when I was watching her, but I don't look like her. I'm not blonde. I'm not white. I'm mm-hmm. not black. So going back to 2019, one of the ways I'm using my voice is through impact, through media, through this TV show that is, I want it to be bilingual, so in English and Spanish, it's going to highlight women all over the world. So the concept, it's for everyone, men, women, young, old, however, the the basis is going to every country and highlighting women and having the travel through that lens. So that's something I've been working on for the past year. It's my heart. It's my passion. It's my purpose. That's one way that I feel like. And when's it coming out? When is the world going to see this amazingness? Yes. I hope and I pray that it will by 2020. It's already getting a lot of momentum, like I mentioned, because 
I foresee, for example, like I do vision boards. I think we may have spoken about that. Yeah. I created a vision board just for this travel show and it has women all over the world and Oprah's on there many times. I maybe foresee it, for example, on like her platform, like own, maybe CNN, Travel Channel, Netflix, anywhere that can reach a lot of people and basically highlight women that are doing amazing things in every country so that they can learn about their country and about the woman and hopefully it can inspire other women around the world that, you know, it's like, you know, every time I travel, I see women doing amazing things and it could be anything from the textile maker in Guatemala. Yeah. She goes and gets cotton and the way they get the tint for the textiles is through natural ingredients like avocado, like, just fascinating things. They're generational. They, they've been taught yeah. and her story. And what's her story? What's life like in Guatemala? Like, let us know. Share with us. Again, open our eyes, open our minds that, for example, because I feel like a lot of people, when they think of a country, they think of, you know, certain stereotypes or things. And so, yeah. but there's so much more to every country, like Italy, Mafia Coast. There's thousands of stories there and mm-hmm. locals and and women and men. So for me, it's just, that's what I've been working on. So that's really one of the big things. So I remember we had a conversation where you said you knocked on nine doors, 10 doors or whatever. How many, you've only knocked on two doors or whatever, like you were saying there. What is stopping you from being able to say next year in September, it will be released to the world? You know, for me, yes. For me, it's just, because I'm doing it all on my own. I get it. As opposed to maybe some other people, they, they go on an audition for a host and everything is like network, scripted, funded, this, that. Every, so the host, for example, just shows up, says what they do, get paid. They yeah. don't do the development, pre-production, the budget. The Which is everything to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> everything to do with me. So I've learned the past year which I'm actually grateful for budget per episode how to create a pilot producer I went to UCLA for producing as well I forgot to mention that with the intent to produce and host a travel show so it's always been in my mind also sponsors partners investors because until it gets bought by a network or somebody I have to fully fund it myself which is yeah you know it's fine, but it takes a little bit longer for me because I'm learning as I go. Yeah. And it's no one is handing it to me. But again, nobody really has handed me anything, which makes me so much more grateful and appreciative because, you know, I feel in the sense of the social media world and all this, so much out there in the sense of entitlement and followers. I'm just like, that's not. I don't care about that. I care about impact, like how, and I'm always thinking long-term, like a visionary. So for me, it's taken me a little longer because I've had to have these meetings with potential producers and sponsors and partners and and just learning the business side of it too. I so get it. I so get it. I've got so many things that I so relate to that and some shows in my horizon as well and all sorts of different things. But you never know who's listening, and that's why I wanted to ask the question. So if someone wanted to connect with you and maybe they know someone that knows someone or who knows, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, well, I'm always accessible on my email. 
So you can email me at travel at getsetwithjeanette.com. Two ends, everybody. And in my name, Jeanette, you wouldn't believe how many emails I don't get because they only spell it with one N. I want to make sure two ends. Also, on my social media, at Twitter or Instagram, I love to engage with people as much as possible, even if it's just a simple question or recommendation. If I have time, I always try to engage and respond. Also, my website is com. There's a place where you can subscribe to my newsletter, which I'm working on. I'm going to start updating events, future events, and workshops, and hopefully I'll do a retreat one day. My show, the announcement of my TV show next year. And yeah, so watch I... space, everybody. What happened? <laughs> I said, watch this space. Yes. Announcement. Yes. Yes. And I really believe speaking into existence. And, you know, for me, it's just one way or the other, it's going to happen. And I feel like it's going to be a win for all women and humanity because it's going to highlight the good and I feel like coming from a media background where my first job was at a newspaper and working you know news that there needs to be a balance in what is the information because I understand there is negativity and there is dark in this world however there's so much light and there's so much good and there's so much that is not being shared and I just want to put that balance in there. So, Yeah, I love that. All right, well, here's an interesting piece just to finish up on, and I ask everyone this question. This is, remember how I said I'm really into creating organizations and businesses and companies that have a real culture going forward that's 100% for humanity. Now, a lot of people would go, you know, and I, I heard this a little with what you were saying, I want to be a voice, but it's so big. And, you know, how do we, how do we do the next step? So after this conversation today, from what you've heard, what is the one thing you're going to do now to shift the dial forward by 1%? That's what I love asking everyone. What is the one thing you're going to do after everything we've talked about today? And I would be thinking around, in your case, about, hey, how can I be more of a voice out there? What's the one thing you're going to commit to to shift that dial by 1%? Because imagine if every human did their 1%. How would that shift what's happening across the world? Wow. That is amazing. I think one or two things I could do, for example, today is, while I'm here in Nashville, reach out to... People that I can help while I'm here, like volunteer-wise or even the top decision-makers, how I can help while I'm here on the ground, I think. And also, as far as the TV show goes, really contacting like major people that I know can be the decision-makers or that can help propel that forward and setting up meetings. And also, I forgot to mention, I just hired an assistant. So that is something that I really was dragging my feet but it got so that's something that's going to help me have more free time to do more to step up more to show up more to help me build and be more of a voice so that as I recognize I can't do everything on my own so it's great to to really be vulnerable and be open just like help me please and so we can all grow so I think those steps will help me every day even one percent it's helped me so much getting help so if you think about that you said every day is that like 
how many decision makers are you or are you going to commit to connecting with? Is it one per day? How will you know that you've actually done this one thing? I feel like you could do one to two per day because even with emails, this is really cheesy. But One or two. I like people committing to something too. Okay, so we know you're going to be able to connect or you're going to connect every day with two really amazing decision makers with whatever. Yeah. Perfect. I can go see that, yeah. See? Love that. And you know what? We are actually putting together a wall and we're going to put all these one things on the wall and make sure that others see what you're committing to so that, the whole world's going to hear this. The whole world's going, we're backing you. Because I think that one of the, you know, one of the epidemics I'm seeing across the world is isolation. I'm writing a book on it at the moment, hitting how it's hitting humanity in a big way. And I see it as an epidemic, but I also see the solution being collaboration. And I want um, everyone to be able to go, hey, I've seen what uh, Jeanette is wanting to do as her next step. And maybe if they are the right person who wants to connect with you can help, you know, make sure that you can even get to that faster than what you think you can and maybe get that show on the road, right? Um, that's, I just think that if we can all add value to what's happening across humanity, then this place, we can not just love our communities that we're a part of, but we can learn more and travel more and feel more safe in an amazing world that we do have and is available for all of us if we're willing to step out and be in there and go for it. Yeah? Yes. yes. All right. So if you want to leave people with just a piece of gold, what would you think? What would you leave everyone with today? Love yourself. Best relationship you'll ever have, and travel as much and as far as you can for as long as you can because it's the best gift you will give yourself in the world. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for just hanging with me at the table and having a great conversation today. Appreciate you. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change, to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlay. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.